Well, hey there, and welcome to the Emergence Community Leaders Podcast, the podcast dedicated to diving deeper into the themes and topics we study each week as we gather together to worship Jesus. Our hope is that this will serve to further equip our church with more insight, context, and background into the weekly sermons and help the proclamation of God's Word on Sunday turn into the application of God's Word in our daily lives and ultimately ending up in the transformation of people in our local communities. Thanks for joining us here today, and let's get started as we dive into this week's discussion. All right. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Leaders Podcast. This week, we are in week seven of our study through the book of Joshua. My name is Alex Hauser. I'm the pastor of discipleship here at the church, and I'm joined with Doug Becker, our pastor of theology. Good afternoon, Doug. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing all right. Yes. Got all the kids home. Nice. That mustache is looking epic, man. Yeah, thanks. It was was like all growing in in general, and then I shaved everything else again. So now it's like the contrast is apparent. Nice. I like it. Looking sharp. Looking like a professional cop. (laughs) Yeah. Also, like they might not let me uh, on school property. (laughs) I'm going to call you the theology sheriff. That's going to be uh, nice. All right. (laughs) So we're jumping into Joshua chapters 10, 11, and 12. What can we expect for this week, Doug? Um, A lot of uh, names that are going to be hard to pronounce. So God bless your readers. (laughs) Nice. Um, but yeah, so um, uh, so essentially, the main kind of the main idea that we're um, that we're noting in these passages is how you have um, essentially what are essentially the two big military campaigns in the book of Jud in the book of Joshua, and uh, first you get it, it it happens in the south, and then you have the military campaigns in the north. And the interesting thing is that when you look at what happens in the South, you see all this like blatantly miraculous stuff, in, including what is one of the most incredible miracles of scripture, at least regarded by some to be. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure I would entire. It is an incredible miracle. Um, but Can you um, stop the sun, Doug? No, I cannot. I cannot. Oh, okay. Nor can I stop the earth from rotating. Right. Yeah. You might ask what's the, yeah. So it's what is, what exactly <laughs> is happening there. And actually I have a pretty, I got a little carried away with one of the footnotes in this passage um, yeah. uh, that you, you, you might have fun reading on. Nice. Page, yeah, uh, definitely. What page is it, Doug? Sorry. Page 44 of the, uh, of the book. Great. Awesome. Um, so check out page 44 for the, uh, in the Joshua book to help you out a little bit with this passage. There's a lot of really good stuff in there. There is, but, and essentially the idea just to be quick about it is that you have a lot of, a lot of stuff where we're in, we're in the South. You're almost like, what is Joshua even doing? Like mm-hmm. it's just God doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, and the note, you know, that the hail that God rained down, uh, d- d- killed more than Joshua did, uh, or the, 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 military israel's military did and then you get the campaign in the north where it's like you you basically only see god kind of working in the background but it's just as much the case that god is giving them victory there than when he's the fireworks are going off in chapter 10 mm. right so that's that's kind of the idea is that they both things are legitimate ways that god works and in fact it's even it's obviously much more common for god to work through the common uh, quote unquote common. And so just having a healthy understanding of what does it mean for God to be working in our lives, both when stuff is exciting and we see, and we're like, wow, that was such a God thing. And then in the more mundane, um, both, both are part of a healthy view of how God works in the world. 
Love that. That really is the heart of uh, really the focus of our conversation this week too. And the community's guide this week is really highlighting that as well. So we're going to take a look at these two sections here. Doug, I'll just read a couple of these questions for us. So the first section we have is the extraordinary, right? And then the second one we have is uh, what we've you know, termed long-term faithfulness, right? Or what you kind of called the mundane, so to speak. So for this first one, we'll jump into chapter 10, the first 15 verses and a couple questions here. So number one, where, you know, what are some ways that you see God at work in this passage? Uh, number two, many consider what happens in verses 12 to 14 to be one of the most incredible or even unbelievable miracles in scripture. How would you personally respond to somebody who points to this as an example of how unrealistic or pers- or pre- uh, preposterous the stories of the Bible are. I, I'd love to jump into that in a second. And then lastly, uh, question number three for the section. In this sermon, Ryan noted how this passage reminds us of how God works in clear, unambiguous, and exciting ways. Where have you experienced uh, God working in such a way in, in your own life? Which is a cool question. So uh, number one, you know, kind of where do you see God at work is easy enough question. Number three, kind of where have you seen some of these things in your own life is meant to kind of get the conversation started. But Doug, question two here, how would you personally respond, Doug, to somebody that's just like, see, you know, here's another example. Here's another Jonah example, or here's another example of where like these are just stories they're made up tales these are myths these are legend that have been passed down through the years and exaggerated uh mm. into the bible how would you respond to that doug so um i i'd say essentially three things hopefully i can remember everything that's floating through my head right now so the first is that um uh i i want to be careful in my conversations that um like I'm not a Christian because I believe that the God that God made the sun stand still at Jericho. Mm-hmm. I'm a Christian because I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, that he died for my sins, and I trust him for my salvation. So I want to I want to constantly be zeroing in on that thing. And so like I don't want to make, you know, coming totally to peace with axes floating and uh, guys being swallowed by whales, the centerpiece and and like prerequisites to be a Christian, to being a Christian. So I want to focus on grappling with the key miraculous event in scripture, and that is the resurrection of Jesus and the hope of our own resurrection. But then having said that, I work outward from that and I say, well, my faith is, my faith sur- surrounds the, uh, my entire life is based on a man being raised from the dead. And the hope that I will one day be, and so I, uh, so the belief that the, that God does the miraculous, that God works in ways that are, that that He is the Lord of the universe, including the physical laws of the universe, um, is something that is part and parcel of biblical faith. And so the, um, you know, it's it's if I can believe that Jesus died and was raised, I can believe that God suspended those laws of nature or however you want to define a miracle. Um, if I believe that God worked in that way in history, I could believe that he worked in other ways in history. I mean, from page one, God spoke and the universe came into existence. Right. So this is, it, it is, but I also want to acknowledge that the Bible also presents this as extraordinary. You have this note, like there was not a day since this. Um, not to say that God doesn't do other miraculous things in scripture, but you know, we've witnessed, you read through these, these books and you see a lot of that going on. Um, I love, I love how you pointed those two things out too, Doug. Like number one, first and foremost, the idea of this miracle does not necessarily weigh in on what you believe about Jesus. You know what I mean? Even if you, so even if you stumble upon this and you're not quite sure about kind of what's going on here, or even if you do have doubts, 
those are things that you can still be a Christian with and walk, you know, you can still walk in that doubt and still know and trust Christ. But like you said, Doug, like what's, what's more difficult, you know what I mean? To make the sun stand still or to raise a man from the dead. You know, what, what was it that Jesus said? What, what's more difficult to say um, your sins are forgiven, but yeah. so that you might believe, uh, and, you know, he's, he, he heals the, the crippled man and he stands up and walks. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it's, it's crazy. I love, I love that. I forget what, I forget what chapter that is. Um, mm. I think it's in Matthew, right? You know what I'm talking about when Yeah, it's in both it's in at least Matthew and Luke. It's it's the right. paralytic who gets let down through the roof. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know what's what's harder to do, Jesus says, to say also in the Mark, by the way. Sorry, yeah, it's in all the synoptics. Your, yeah, <laughs> to take up your mat to take up your mat and walk, or to say that your fins your sins are forgiven, but mm-hmm. so that you might believe, right? And, yeah. and like it's just boom, you know what I mean? Jesus yeah. is like putting all this back into perspective, you know where he's basically holding the power of God in one hand of saying, what is the most difficult of all of these things? You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, what we believe is what Jesus accomplished isn't turning water to wine, isn't healing a paralytic, isn't helping the blind just to see. It isn't just these things. It's that he conquered death. He paid for our penalty. He did what we could not do. You know what I mean? And and because Mm -hmm. of that, we have hope in Christ. And so yeah, like you're saying, I mean, that's the miracle. Like that's the, the foundation of what we hope for. Yeah, exactly. And that and that's you got to keep the main thing the main thing when you're when you're talking to people about and then have and then I want people to work through stuff like this in the context of discipleship or as I call it in the appendix of the book uh faith seeking understanding. Like all right, I know that this is true. What then do I say? And I see believing Old Testament stuff as a, really a matter of lordship to Jesus. Is if Jesus is my lord, then I say the same thing about God's revelation that he says. Yeah. And he trusts it and believes it's true. Um, and, you know, I mean, think even the conception of God is a being who is omnipotent, that is able to do anything that is logically possible. You know, anything like God, God is Lord of the universe and he could do with it as he wants. And often these miracles in scripture like this are presented as in themselves extraordinary. Um, and of course, there is on this one in particular, there are questions as exactly what it is that Joshua is praying for. What is it exactly that is happening here? Mm. And uh, so interesting tangent you could go down to. Uh, I'm, I'm, but yeah. yeah. So <laughs> obviously each week, I mean, leaders too, pay attention to this. Because when, you know, if you're reading the companion book, if you're reading through these chapters and really praying through this, there's probably a ton of questions that spill out. You know, lead your group as, as you know, you feel God's pushing on you to do. And, uh, you know, as you kind of discern is the best for your group. Mm-hmm. But there's thousands of questions that spill out of this text. You know what I mean? And, and many things, you know, Doug and I each week have to kind of, pick and choose, you know what I mean? Or, uh, <laughs> or write and edit and edit yes. and edit. <laughs> but let's move on to the second section here, uh, Doug. So the second part is kind of the mundane, as you called it, or, or how we've termed it, you know, long-term faithfulness, right? And so we'll jump into chapter 11 for this one. And as you mentioned earlier, Doug, this week, you know, we really see these two major military campaigns, right? You said the one in the North and we've got the one in the South, and, you know, as you kind of pointed out in the book this week, this actually can help us process uh, some things, especially some of the more challenging moral questions that kind of arise from the book of Joshua. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. a cu- couple questions for us here, Doug. Number four, uh, what are some of the moral dilemmas that arise from the book of Joshua? And how do these chapters really help us in understanding them? Yeah, uh, well, this obviously, is a loaded question. Yeah, obviously, I experienced that for a while in writing a study guide. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
a devotional study guide on a book that uh, often says things like kill everything that breathes. <laughs> now, like, so have a nice quiet time today. Yeah. And I think that's essentially it, right? Like the, the ball, no one's hiding the ball here that that is, that is a hard, that is a difficult, um, a big enchilada, let's call it. And um, I'll be honest here. I remember when I first became, a, I guess maybe I'd been a Christian for a few years at that point, but I was really studying through the book of Joshua and I hit these texts and it's just mm-hmm. like, there's a, there's kind of a pit in my stomach. Right. And yeah. I think to begin when we ask these questions to really understand these texts, I think first and foremost, pray, of course you should pray anytime that you read scripture. Right. Pray first for understanding, pray for a heart that's ready to learn and hear and listen. And for me personally, I remember the struggle that I had at, like the struggle for me wasn't that God judged humanity, you know, and we've seen that in scripture all throughout scripture. And guess what? God's going to do that again. Praise God for Jesus. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the struggle that I had at the time was that he was using his people uh, to carry out that judgment. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so there's these questions where, well, like, is it murder? Is it killing? Is it like, is God asking us to murder and then said, do not murder? You know, all of these things kind of fall into this and it's, it's difficult. And I, and you know, even as we kind of begin to dive in this, Doug, I don't, I don't assume that we're really going to come up with an answer that is just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. It's, it's, it, there, there's a sense in which this issue is always going to be difficult for us. It's always going to be hard. Um, and, but yeah, and and that's what the appendix of the book is about. Mm. Um, so help so, us a little bit here, Doug, you know, of these kind of things, these. Yeah. Moral- so the thing that I think this, these, the, what I'm getting at in this question here is that this, this, this kind of one thing I think we want to say is that it's easy for us sitting in, um, you know, in living rooms at, in the most secure nation at the most secure time in human history with no threat, like real threat of, like being taken over or, you know, large scale violence. Obviously we do live in fear sometimes of, of various kind of dangers and things like that, but there's uh, there's, there's a real physical threat that was involved in just everyday life living in the ancient Near East and really in most places throughout human history. And, um, and what these chapters do, one of the things that's helpful here for me is that this kind of dispels the notion that Israel could have just gone into the land and set up shop and minded their own business. Uh, because the, the majority of the fighting that happens in Jericho, and we see this even before the people get into the land, like you, like the, the king of the city of Arad marches out against the Israelites. Um, they're opposed several times uh, by the Amalekites on the way out of Egypt. They run into military opposition against the Ammonite kings, Og and um, Sihon, um, in the Transjordan. And so here, and here we see coalitions of kings essentially getting together, pooling their military resources, and coming out to to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. And uh, so it's this was a reality, and this at least is in part um, part of I think the biblical the answer to. Uh, this this moral difficulty that we have in scripture, and I don't want to make as if that's the full answer. Certainly, it is not. And I there, but that's one part of the answer. 
that and again uh, the entire appendix of the book of Joshua um, that you'll you'll get it. I'm sorry that the book we wrote on Joshua uh, deals with this question. And then uh, one more brief thing that I'll note in respect to that with respect to that appendix, because I know that a lot of the group leaders listen to this podcast. You should know that there is a typo, a significant typo that I've requested be corrected. And this happens. I feel like typos are inevitable. Yeah. But what on pay, I'm just going to put this out there to mark it in your books and to tell you people in your groups to mark this. Okay. Because it has not yet been corrected online. On page 72, there's a sentence in there that says, intentional killing is sin except when it is not authorized or commanded by God. <laughs> that not should not be in there. <laughs> I thought I requested that. Be, that I'm not. Yeah. Fair enough. So, Fair enough. I'm not, these so, things are like, these things plague my brain, these typos. <laughs> you, Doug, you not, can't sleep at night with typos. I can't sleep book. with that in there. Yeah. So, But just tell All them. Right to cross that out. Of so Doug, I think we've got a, uh, I think I'm feeling a theology Thursday here a little bit. Uh, <laughs> the appendix of Joshua, to be honest. There we go. Maybe, uh, maybe we should chat about that. Maybe throw a new theology Thursday in there where we can dive into it a little bit more, a little bit more deeply. Um, I'm going to press forward here uh, just for the sake of time, uh, Doug. So talking now about long-term faithfulness, you know, we talked about some of the dilemmas, some of the differences between the Northern campaign and Southern campaign. You answered those already for us. Um, question six asks, do you think it's fair to say that God was more powerfully at work in one than the other? Uh, why or why not? I mean, you'll have an interesting discussion on that, but you know, the short answer is like God's at work in all situations, you know, whether it's, whether it's clear and there's, you know, fireworks, as you said, Doug, like going off where clearly God is moving mountains or in this case, you know, stopping the earth or the sun or whatever, however you want to interpret that. Or if it's just faithfulness, uh, steady faithfulness and consistent faithfulness over time. Exactly. Uh, I think I think it all feeds into our understanding of the sovereignty of God. Is God yeah. sovereign in control of all things or is he not? And if he is, then even when it's not something that's like totally inexplicable uh, through natural means, it still is something worth praising God over because the w- things turn out the way they do because of him. Yeah. Amen. You know, Ryan talked about this too, as well in the sermon, um, just about why we say plowing a counterculture. You know, there's a reason why we, you know, at emergence, we say loving Jesus, loving people, plowing a counterculture. Right. And the reason why we use the term plow is because it it's work, you know what I mean? It's investment. And, you know, Ryan spent some time in the weekend and we'll probably spend some time in our groups tonight and this week, just talking about like, sometimes it does feel mundane. You know what I mean? Sometimes I don't want to wake up at 6am and read my Bible and, or at least I don't feel like it. You know what I mean? But it's that work, the long-term investment that over time yields faithfulness and, and to be mindful of that. Um, there's a, it's, there's something to be said about diligence over time. You know what I mean? And in, in our culture today, we're always grabbing after instant gratification, but delayed gratification ultimately is, is, uh, often uh, more rewarding, but. And you really get that, you really get that one real quick. You really get that long term over time thing from Joshua 11, 18, where it kind of puts it into perspective. Joshua made war a long time on all those Kings. So Mm. you shouldn't think of this as a battle that took a day or it's all long. Yeah. Now there's no, we're, we're kind of pointing here too a little bit to be, to kind of lean into diligence over time rather than just kind of chasing these moments of, you know, momentary excitement, which are sometimes, as we know, can, can be a little superficial at times. 
um, playing off of emotions and such. So a couple questions here. Number seven, what spiritual dangers can we face if we're only seeking out spiritual highs over steady years of hard growth and slow incremental improvement with our walk with God? Number eight, what spiritual dangers can we face during times of long-term or perhaps mundane growth? You know, so there are spiritual dangers on both sides, so to speak. And so, you know, kind of in what ways are we vulnerable to attack either outside or from within? And number nine, how do you personally celebrate moments of extraordinary movements of God? And what kind of attitudes and actions should we have to celebrate during times which are less exciting? And uh, last question here, who's the Lord placed in your life as an example of long-term faithfulness? So um, just as far as looking at, you know, compare and contrast the two, because God works in both, as we've said already. And, you know, we should be diligent and faithful over time and celebrate and worship God in those times where he's clearly moving. And you will see examples of both in your life. Uh, anything else you kind of want to add to that, Doug, to those questions? Um, no, I think, I think that's good. Um, yeah. Um, Sweet. All right. So let's press on. Last section here says, don't give up. We're going to ask for a uh, volunteer to read Galatians. Um, what are we at? Uh, chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. We can read that real quick. Do you have that in front of you, Doug? Uh, yeah. So Galatians 6, uh, 7 through 10. Um, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows that will he also reap for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh tongue twister there from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Awesome. So question number 11 here is asking, why do you think Paul uses this agricultural metaphor of sowing and reaping to describe the Christian life? That should be Uh, S-O-W. Yes, I'm sorry. That was my fault. I spelled sowing. (laughs) I mean, hey, look, maybe let's sew some fabric, you know? Sewing and knitting. It takes a long time to knit a sweater. Yeah, my my wife's knitting a blanket right now. She was gonna she was gonna knit. You, you guys can't see me, but behind me there's a bunch of blankets. Well, let's see them. Bust blankets, and stuff nice. that my wife is working on, and she wanted to sew like this little kind of like couch, like nap time blanket thing. She was like knitting it together, and she started knitting it, and she got so far. The thing's like twenty feet wide. <laughs> oh, so that's awesome! I'm like, I'm like Kristen, what is this oh, thing? She's have like, have fun washing that. Yeah, it's no longer it's no longer like a couch throw. Now I think it's meant to cover our king size bed. So we'll, mm. and you know many other king size beds next to it if we decided to go that route. There you go. But uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there. So um, Paul here is using agricultural metaphors. Um, I'm going to ask all these questions. So number twelve, consider verse nine. What is it about doing good that could cause us to grow weary? Number thirteen, what are some important strategies you would recommend to help us to not grow weary in doing good? So. Kind of two things here. Number one, Doug, you know, why is, why is Paul using agricultural metaphors here? Um, it, well, because I think it's, I think it pre- precisely is because of the time that it takes, that it's hard work and uh, it takes time to yield. And there's some elements to it also, I think, that we might say um, that are out of our hands as well. That, you know, you know what you need to do to get stuff to grow and you need to trust the Lord for the growth. You know, we see that in other places in Paul as well. But I think here, uh, essentially, over time, that things we do today, we will experience the fruit or lack thereof later on. Yeah. What are you investing uh, for in the future? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and you know, there's things about doing good that could cause us to grow weary. Of course, um, <laughs> you know, small investment over time, you, you know, we, we talk about this a lot in ministry too. You know what I mean? As, as we walk, we get to see some, we get to see the front lines of how God works and you guys too, you like leaders that are listening in. Like if you've been leading a community group for any length of time, I guarantee it that you guys have had some things to celebrate and how God's moved in people's lives, especially in hardships as you've prayed for folks, uh, over time. And then it, it almost seems like it's, it's, like prayer after prayer, after prayer, after prayer, like you're consistently praying, consistently praying, but like God always works. He always moves. And you know, you could get, you could become weary, I guess, in in the midst of praying all the time, but don't lose hope, you know, don't go, don't grow weary of doing what's good, you know? Yeah. And and that's the thing. That's why, you know, if you were seeing immediate results for doing good all the time, then there wouldn't need to be the command to not grow weary because we just want to do it all the time. But um, the idea is that like sometimes you don't see immediate fruit for that. Mm. And, um, and I think that that's, that's a, I think a cause for encouragement. I know that sometimes like if you're leading a community group or, or doing many different kinds of ministries, you can, you see stuff that you, everyone probably thinks of like difficult situations you're dealing with, maybe difficult relationships between some people in the group or whatever. And you could get discouraged about that, but you have to realize that ministry is very much a, a, the long game. Mm. It's, it's, it's the long game of, of cumulative effect of ministry over a person's life that we really want to aim for that, that we really need to be concerned about. Um, if, if I, if, if I do something and I see some immediate exciting fruit that comes from it, then great. But what I care about is like, what are the effects of this long-term on people's walks with the Lord? And we have to have both in mind. I've always said this too, like even as a leader, you know, for my own community group. So my group meets Monday nights and every time I get to Monday, like Monday is the busiest day of my week. I'm, you know, we've got a lot of meetings at emergent staff meetings and so on and so forth. And then I'm just running from thing to thing to thing. And then I get home and it's like, okay, I got to clean the house. Got to get ready. People are coming over. You know what I mean? It's just, and every single Monday, I get to this point where it's like, ah, I don't, like, I don't have time. I don't feel like doing this. You know what I mean? I just, I would like to rest, just go home and be with my wife and, and not have to worry about, uh, you know, the responsibility of hosting this evening, you know, or, or just to get something of a break. And I feel that oftentimes, you know what I mean? Season after season, but every single time, literally every single time that my, that my group meets, I end up leaving the group feeling unbelievably encouraged um, even if it is a, a more difficult, you know, uh, meeting for that week, but I'm always encouraged. I'm always grateful. I'm always thankful that our group did meet. And I always walk away from it just thinking, how in the world could I not, like, why do I forget, you know what I mean? How much I enjoy this and how life bringing it is uh, to my life, uh, to my marriage, to my, to my walk with Jesus. And so um, I just remember that all the time. And so leaders, if you're ever feeling that too, you know, first and foremost, thank you. Like, obviously there is a sacrifice at, at the front end to be a leader. And there is a, there is a lot of investment that that takes and a lot of diligence. And I would just encourage you don't grow weary, you know, especially during this season, 2020 stinks. I don't think anybody would argue with that. And especially leading a community group this year has been ultra challenging. And so thank you for your diligence. Thank you for your faithfulness. And we do sincerely pray that um, God would use this and what we, you know, what, what little we invest here and magnify that, you know, tenfold and, and uh, reap fruit for it, for his kingdom. And so thank you guys for leading. All right. And then uh, lastly, we'll just close up in prayer. Uh, pray that the Lord would help you to recognize and celebrate both the exciting moments of faith as well as long-term faithfulness. 
Pray that God would encourage each of us in how we faithfully invest ourselves in the long-term plowing uh, of our own faith and in, and in good works as well. Give thanks to God for how he's worked powerfully in your own life. And uh, we'll close up with that this week. Doug, anything else to add before uh, we close up here? Have a good week. Yeah, have a great week. Doug, this is a record for us, man. Check yeah, us out. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Leaders are going to be like, <laughs> where's the rest of it? Oh but tell you what, enjoy, honestly. Enjoy I- all the extra time we've given you. Yeah, honestly. Uh, probably going to have a Theology Thursday coming around the corner here sometime soon. If you're looking for that, that's available on Emergence's other podcast. This one's specific to leaders and communities, uh, but we've got another one that's rock and roll in the background. We'll make sure that you have access to that. And otherwise, hope you guys have a great week. Thank you so much for leading and take care. God bless.